morning and welcome to HR Examiner's Big Ideas. Today we're going to be talking with Dr. Dale Massey, who is the, one of the pioneers in the Employee Assistance Program specialization. She's the author of 15 books and more than 70 articles dealing with EAPs, evaluation, and various mental health issues. She holds a doctorate from Catholic U and was the recipient of postdoctoral research award from the American Association of University Women. Interestingly, she was a Fulbright Scholar and Specialist in England, Italy, Hong Kong, Japan, and has lectured in over 45 countries. Good morning. How are you, Dale? Oh, good morning, John. I'm fine here in Boston. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome. Um, We were just in Boston last week. So I uh, read your introduction, but, but you have deeper experience than I could even begin to convey. Tell me a little bit about who you are and what you're doing these days and how sure. you think that the APs have evolved. Well, I am have been a professor. I'm an emeritus professor from the University of Maryland, the Graduate School of Social Work, where I taught and led an EAP specialization, teaching master's students how to, how to bring social services, how to bring mental health services, substance abuse to the workplace and deliver it there, which is really quite unique. At the same time, simultaneously, I have had a company, Massey Research, where I uh, actually evaluate programs. So my role is not to provide direct counseling, but I very much uh, am there to make sure that programs uh, are good, that the companies are really getting, you might say, their money's worth, and we're really getting some good results. So that's how, you know, I operate. And as I say, I'm here in uh, Boston and also teach an online program in uh, EAPs, courses, where people get a certificate in EAPs. If, if your readers, I understand, or your audience also understand what EAPs are. Well, why don't you, why don't you give us um, the, the short-form definition of an EAP? I think, okay, I think there may sure. be a bit of confusion uh, out there. Yeah. Actually, EAPs are professional services that are offered by the workplace, in the workplace, not physically necessarily. Counselors can be outside the workplace, whereby employees receive uh, not only uh, counseling, but other kinds of services like uh, work life and child care. And these programs are paid for by companies. And the reason companies do this is because it's a way what we call preventing, where we try to reach employees before they really have major problems. And hopefully this then saves them from losing their jobs or getting in trouble. These programs are unique because they're not just straight counseling programs. We also work with management and supervisors to help them understand, you know, what uh, their responsibilities are as far as uh, getting assistance for employees and making sure, you know, that they just don't look the other way and, you know, not not really uh, realizing the potential of the program. So, um you know, it's they really have grown tremendously over the past forty years. So, what's the most interesting thing that you're wrestling with today? Uh, well, what I'm wrestling with is I have a contract from the Employee Assistance Research Foundation to write the history of employee assistance from um, the in the U.S. and in Canada, and um, I'm as 
whenever I write a book, I wrestle with it. You know, I often say it's uh, easier to have a child than to uh, write a book, and it takes longer to write a book. So anyway, uh, that's what I'm wrestling with now. We're we're getting down to the to the uh, almost to the end, but that's when you get into edits and corrections and all this kind of thing. But it is a history, and as I look at the history, it is amazing, and it really started almost uh, you know in 1900 with uh, industrial programs. And and so so as you go back and look at the history, are you learning something that you didn't expect? Is there something surprising that you're discovering? Well, what I'm discovering is that um, companies need these programs, uh, and and sophisticated companies realize it because they realize that um, I mean, you know, any any employer knows that employees are the, their investment. I mean, they're the most important thing they've got, and you know, you, they don't want to lose them. So it's important to try to provide, you know, whatever is necessary to help them so uh, they can continue to function. As I look back and think now, it is amazing how these programs have taken off. Because when we started, you know, years ago, uh, you know, it was a hard sell in some ways. It isn't now. As a matter of fact, the, the most interesting thing is how this has taken off around the world. I mean, I've had, I've not only been to many countries lecturing, on this, but I've you know I've also taught many many people from other countries, and in the beginning people thought, oh my word, you're not going to be able to bring counseling to China, you know, or to uh, you know Asia or Russia, and that's not so. Uh, it is amazing. People all over the world, we have a lot in common with each other, which we don't realize. And the important thing, the important thing is to get people help, you know. And people are suffering in some, in many ways. So this is this is an interesting thing. When I first heard about um, EAPs, there was an extraordinary level of taboo in the workplace. And if you got known for being involved with those things, your credibility suffered all over all over the place. So, so guys like me wouldn't go anywhere near that. It sounds like that's changing. It has changed dramatically. As a matter of fact, uh, several of my clients, uh, for example, are company cement drivers. Uh, you know, and uh, it's amazing how these uh, the, the people use the program. But what's happening is that many people like their jobs; they want to keep them. And the company, when the company says you can use this program, when they're reassured on the confidentiality, and that's what's very critical. That in no way does the company know when individuals have used the EAP program? We that provide those that provide the services, social workers, psychologists, etc., are bound under confidentiality. Unless it's someone that the supervisor sends, then that's a different process. But for the most part, I think that the big thing that has allowed EAPs to grow is the fact that we do keep them confidential. We have not had cases where this has been a problem. And so the confidence and the faith has really uh, developed. And um, men, um, you know, will use the program because the company says it's okay to do this. And, uh, and and we encourage this. So uh, that's been that's been a real a real change. So we we see that the same way as I say, 
overseas, you know, where it was the same same issues and problems when you first started. People would would you know were worried about confidentiality. They didn't think it would take off, but it has. There's no doubt about that. It has. So, uh, which is really very good. But what what's important is people have problems, and it's the healthy people that ask for health for help rather. Uh, it's the people that are really, you know, suffering that we really want to reach. So uh, anyway, they have, as I say, they certainly have grown in many ways. There are, there are problems. There are different problems today than there were when you were talking about years ago. Right, right. Way back, way back then. So do you think it's, is it changing social norms or is it um, affordability? Or is it something else that's driving increased acceptance? I, I think I, mental health is uh, mental health and substance abuse today does not getting that help. It does not have quite the same stigma it used to have years ago. Um, I mean, classic example are the two princes in England who have. I mean, are doing a major job as far as assisting and getting out mental health services, where they both have admitted that at the time when their mom died, Diana, that they really suffered and uh, had no help, and then it was only later when they went and got mental health treatment that. Uh, you know, that things began to change. They have become real advocates. So it's that kind of thing. Slowly people change and they realize when they've got problems, it's much more, it's almost much more acceptable. In some places, it's almost like, you know, everybody's got a therapist or a counselor, but it's more that uh, people do need help. And, um, I, I guess I can't emphasize enough. I mean, we've got tremendous problems in substance abuse, particularly with this opiate epidemic now. Uh, you know, and these things hit everyone, and uh, the program is there. I do think affordability is another question that you raise, because there are six that most programs offer at least six sessions free. So, uh, that's really helpful, and the counselors are all licensed mental health professionals. So, uh, you know, that I think is very different than what it than what it was. Right. It used to be that that counseling was covered by health insurance almost without asking, and and right. um, as we've sort of turned counseling into a medical dispensary. The, the willingness of insurance companies to pay for counseling has diminished. So, so having some free sessions would would be attractive right. in a way that it wasn't before. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And don't forget, these programs also uh, reach out to family members. And you know, uh, like it or not, you know, it's not necessarily always the employee, but employees have kids uh, with issues and problems. They have spouses also, and this is this is a way of you know getting assistance, which is really, you know, really quite quite important. The programs also do a lot in the area of prevention and education. I mean, they really are, you know, constantly distributing material, you know, pointing out. I'll, I'll tell you one other thing, uh, John, that, uh, that has why EAPs are accepted in the workplaces. Ever since 9-11, when 9-11 occurred, EAP counselors from all over the world went and provided counseling. What the uh, What this resulted in is the whole question of crisis care. So when... Uh, 
or what we call critical incidents. And there are many critical incidents that occur every day in the workplace. There's suicide, there are deaths, there are traumas, there are accidents, and EAPs are on the spot. They'll be there, you know, that night, the next day. And, you know, I've had one CEO that said to me, I don't care about anything else, but I know if something happens in the workplace, I can call the EAP. So that's that's been a, another real reason why the EAPs have grown so much, particularly with the – I've done a lot of consulting on the violence in the workplace, like for the Postal Service. And, you know, these things are occurring, and uh, employers are, uh, you know, have to handle them. and They're not trained for that. So in that way, when the EAPs got into the crisis care, that also gave them a tremendous boost. That's interesting. So, so I I spent a lot of time looking at um, technology, and as I watch EAPs get a dose of technology, one of the things I'm seeing is the addition of other kinds of services wrapped around EAP. Are you seeing that? Well, in some ways, I'm seeing things that shouldn't be provided by EAPs necessarily. Uh, and I'm, you know, in the remembering that most EAPs are provided under contract, where the company, the company doesn't hire the counselors; they hire a contractor to provide, you know, the uh, counseling. And what's happening is that in that competition, some of the EAPs just jump on any bandwagon and offer things that they really that they really shouldn't rather than what their, you know, essential being is about. And I think that's what you see. And I'm, I'm really not, not supportive of some of the, uh, you know, you might say the outliers that EAPs are offering, but yet, yes, I have seen that. Now, on the other hand, internationally, uh, including Canada, where I, I do a fair amount of work, um, there, it, it's almost like the EAP has become the outpatient mental health services because a lot of the government-sponsored insurances in other countries do not cover substance abuse and mental health. So the EAPs then are really providing even longer-term help and treatment. Oh, that's really interesting. So, so in non-American countries, EAP is a more expansive thing to make up for the difference between um, right. what government insurance provides and, and what's needed by the company. That's Absolutely. For example, what's happening in Canada, uh, in addition to providing EAPs, they offer what's called depression care. And that's for those that have, you know, severe depression because waiting very often in Canada for psychiatrists can take six months. So as a result, the, in other countries, they're, you know, they're starting to provide even more, uh, you know, in that arena than uh, the arena of mental health than we do in the U.S. because they don't have necessarily have the same health insurance coverage as well as for uh, substance abuse. Hmm. So, so you're in this history project, and I think help help me with this. I think that part of the history project was something to interview key informants about the development right. of EAPs. And exactly. I was looking at your website the other day, and and there's there's transcripts of those interviews or or write ups of those interviews on the website. Um, right. So, who did you talk to, and what did you learn? Well, there? what I. 
what we did is, and thank you for asking, because, by the way, they are available, you know, on the EPA website. They're available at the University of Maryland. I'll give you the name of, you know, a contact also before we, uh, we're done if people are interested. They're actually video interviews. Uh, I uh, I subcontracted. I got the contract to do that. I subcontracted with my University of Maryland, where uh, we did the interviews with the uh, through the Media Lab. Uh, six U.S. ones and uh, two from Canada. What I did, or what we did, is develop a conceptual framework of the different things that have occurred in the last 50 years that were high points in the EAP development. For example, the idea, say, of uh, critical incidents, the idea of providing work life, child care, elder care. Uh, and so what happened was uh, we then selected, I selected, and then the committee uh, supported this, particular leaders or people that were outstanding, for example, in those particular areas. For example, Carl Tassone, who is the founder of the Research Foundation, we interviewed because he was a pioneer in developing international and bringing EAPs to the rest of the world. He also was very helpful, very innovative with the idea of, of managed care and how you deal with that with EAPs. A woman by the name of Fred Rogers was uh, very founded, you might say, the whole work-life movement. So people were picked because of a development that occurred and was occurring in the AP field, and they, for example, were leaders in that particular arena, and that's how we selected them. And it was wonderful. Each interview lasted an hour. I went down to uh, Baltimore to do these uh, video interviews, and uh, they now are posted and they're available to everyone. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So so you're in the middle of this project. How long is it until you're done? And, and um <laughs> Oh, that—that's the sixty-four dollar question. <laughs> I, I, you know, these things stretch out much longer yes, than you do. anticipate. It should be—they should be done, I'd say, within the next month or two, and oh, then they'll oh, be. So, go ahead. Go ahead. We're, we're getting—we're getting down the line. Yeah, it's—they're almost—they're almost done. That—that's—that's uh, that's fantastic. So there'll be a a, a little history. Um, uh, course available to anybody who wants to look at it. Um, right. is, is, you said you're writing a, a final book. Is this the final book? I, I didn't put two and two together there. Well, I didn't say final book. I meant final that uh, final stages of the of the of the book. I don't know if I'll write any more books, <laughs> but but because uh, as I as I said before earlier in the interview, uh, I I found that uh, writing writing a book is more difficult than uh, having a child. The labor is much longer. Believe me. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> each time I have, I, you know, it comes out in print. It's like wow. Fine. I'll never do another one, so I can't say I won't, but I, I would doubt it. Fantastic. And, and and are you teaching still? Yes, I teach online right now, 
and that's so that's tell, fascinating tell because course. I've been a professor. I've been a professor who's done face-to-face teaching for years, and so on. The uh, but then I realized that uh, we had to bring this EAP education out there. We have to train counselors. I mean, you get a master's in social work or a doctorate in psychology, but you're not necessarily, uh, you know, educated in the whole area of uh, working in the workplace. So we and that we need that kind of education. It's different. A counselor. When they're in private practice, very often they think it's the same when they're in an EAP, and it's not because you really have you have another client, so to speak, which is the company. So these are more than just straight counseling programs. One has to remember that the corporate is is funding this and is concerned and wants their employees to function. So anyway. I developed an online program with the University of Maryland, and uh, it's been very successful. It's not in real time. People can go on. It's week by week, four weeks for each course. One of the essentials of what is an EAP and the other course is special services or special issues like sexual harassment in the workplace, substance abuse in the workplace, technology, that kind of thing. And so uh, we do that. that, So it lasts two months. Uh, It's they're really it's really quite uh, quite easy. We use Blackboard. The University of Maryland has all of that, and uh, that's the system. And we have a discussion board. And each week I post a question that people have to respond to. I also scan in many many articles. So when they're done, they really end up with a. you know, a library for themselves that they can keep and reference. And each week I post a question that they have to respond to and they have a week, you know, to do that. And then we then people respond, they respond to each other. So it's really quite fascinating. And I, it's amazing how I, you can connect. I mean, I can connect with the students. It's, it's really interesting. Now, Blackboard is an interesting teaching environment. It, it makes the the sterile online environment a little bit more lively and and interactive. Uh, oh, and oh so- I can tell you, I can tell you, John, that we average a hundred, uh, you know, uh, discussion uh, items each week. I mean, people responding. I mean, I'm constantly on, you know, responding to this or that, and they they chat back and forth. So in some ways, it it no, the the gushing board is is really helpful with Blackboard. It makes it real. I also, for example, have an assignment where they have to visit an EAP in their own country and then write it up. And, you know, I get these papers and they're, you know, they're sent to me and I look at them. And, I mean, I've had students from Mongolia, from Russia, from the Philippines, from South America. I defy anybody in reading those papers to tell me where the the uh, students are from. Their English is perfect. Well, we're winding down the conversation. What did I forget to ask you? Uh, well, your first question was, what is the most important thing you're wrestling with today? So I was going to respond, how to improve my racquetball score. <laughs> and you didn't <laughs> ask me that. <laughs> so, you, so wanted playing, get, you wanted to get too professional on me. So I, I had that line already, okay? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't give you the uh, the opportunity there. That, <laughs> well, that's, I took that, it that, anyway. 
That's fantastic. So you're playing racquetball. I've, I've always played racquetball. I've played for years and years and years. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's just like, uh, you know, some people play golf. Some people do this and I play racquetball. So what should the audience take away from our conversation? I would I would hope that they would realize, and I'm sure many in the audience are employed, that there is help out there. And it's not an embarrassment, it's not a shame, that it's the healthy people ask for help. That's So if they're hurting, if they have a relative or a friend or someone, take a look and see and ask about the EAP. And, uh, you know, and, I, and be supportive of that. Remember that it is confidential. If you walk in on your own, it, you know, no, nobody is going to know about it except the counselor. Got it. So t- would you take a moment and reintroduce yourself and tell people how they might get a hold of you? Sure. I'm Dr. Dale Massey. My uh, website is eapmassey.com. My uh, telephone number is 617-536-1930. I can also give another name if people want to ask more about the foundation. It's D. Sharar. S-H-A-R-A-R, chestnut.org. That's for Dave Sharar, who's one of the people I interviewed, and he's, the, he's uh, on the board of the, found, of the foundation. And I asked him, you know, uh, knowing I was coming on the show, and he said they, and, and he, they, he can also give information about access. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm available. People have questions. And, uh, you know, I welcome them, as I say, going on the website or uh, my uh, e- email is Dale Massey, M-A-S-I, at E-A-P-Massey.com. And thank you for that opportunity to say that. You're quite welcome. And thank you for taking the time to do this. It's been a wonderful conversation. I'm sure the people in the audience are enlightened and i've had a great time thanks so much thank, for doing this. thank you very much okay bye-bye okay bye-bye now we've been talking with dr dale massey and you've been listening to hr examiner's big ideas we'll see you next time around bye-bye mm-hmm.